Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with Ricardo Afonso, who's playing Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar at the Barbican. The show was originally written as a rock opera album, but has since been seen in various forms over the years with productions on Broadway, in the West End, Arena Tours starring Tim Minchin, and most recently the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre production. That last one is the one that's running at the Barbican this summer. It first ran at Regent's Park in 2016 before it was revived in 2017. Last year it ran in Chicago and now it's at the Barbican and it's also touring the US later this year. If you've never seen or heard Jesus Christ Superstar before, the show basically tells the story of the last week of Jesus' life with rock music. This particular production has received rave reviews every time it's run in London so far, but this time it has new actors in the leading roles of Jesus and Judas, including this week's guest Ricardo Afonso. Ricardo was actually offered the part of Judas in 2016, but had to pull out of the production for health reasons. He moved home to Portugal for three years before he came back to London in June to finally play the part he's longed for his whole career. Since he first came to London in 2005, you might have seen Ricardo in We Will Rock You, Top Hat, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, or singing Queen songs on tour all the way around the country. We met up at the Barbican one lunchtime shortly before a midweek matinee. Here's our conversation. Ricardo Alfonso, welcome to the Backstage With podcast. Hello. Your dressing room is enormous. I was very lucky, wasn't I? Can can we just discuss the fact that you have a waiting room? Like, I've never had a waiting room before. I think many people have. I know. It was so good because I I received my guests yesterday and I said, can you just give me a moment while I have a shower, please? (laughs) So they all waited outside. I poured some Prosecco while I had my shower. Actually, I can have a bath. I have a bathtub as well. <laughs> I bet you wish this was an open ender, don't you? I bet I could. I, I wish that I could stay here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, I could move it's in. Better here. than my digs, I'll assure you that. <laughs> I think I've had flats that are smaller than this. Genuinely, yeah. you are obviously playing Judas here yeah. at the Barbican. I have to say, I've seen you in a couple of things over the years, okay. but it feels like you've taken your game to a whole new level with this. Like it, it blew my mind oh, last that's night. Very kind. I, I genuinely, I'm not just saying this. I genuinely think you must be the best sung Judas this show has ever had. Oh, I don't, thanks very much. That's very kind. I, I have to tell you, this is the role I've always wanted to do. So maybe that's what you can see. This show is very special to me. And this role in particular was one that I've always wanted to do. I was very lucky as well, after what happened in 2016, to have been given another opportunity to to come in and to, to audition again for the show. So um, I feel very lucky and privileged and honoured to be a part of this production. When it came around the first time, did you want it? Or did you have your eye on it then? I, I did. I did the audition. I don't know if you know about this. I, um, I don't. I, 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 I'm, I'm very open about this. I'm okay talking about it. It's no okay. problem. So I did the audition back then and I, I was offered the role. And unfortunately, I, I had developed a condition which made it impossible for me to take part of the production. This was after the role was given to me. So I had the um, daunting task of calling the offices and saying that I couldn't I couldn't do it. I couldn't sing it. It was just impossible. So um, 
um, I, I went back to Portugal for, for three years and I've been longing for things to recover and things to be right so I could have a chance to rewrite my history and make my story and make Jesus Christ part of my story. And I feel very lucky to have had that opportunity. I mean, you must have put a lot of energy out there to, to hope yeah. that it would come back. I know. And it has. And it has. And it, to be honest with you, I thought it wouldn't come back. There was a point way back in 2016, well, I thought, well, that was it. But um, can't really pinpoint the healing moment that it was, but it came back. And it came back. And once I got my confidence back on track, that was the main thing. Then um, things became, they just followed through, you know, it came, became a pattern easier to follow. Of course. Everything that I've seen so far, the, the mm -hmm. chatter about this production is that it's the definitive production. That's the phrase that's, for, that's banded about. Do you agree? And you said that this role was very important to you. Was it something that you listened to a lot growing up? How did you discover it? Yes, indeed. I had have lots of references from the past. Um, um, um Jérôme Pardon, even Farnham's version, uh, John Stevens, the Australian version. So I had lots of references from the past. One of the main challenges was to actually leave those references behind. What Tim Sheeda wants from this production is is quite the opposite of what was done before, even more recently with Tim Minchin as well as Judas. So it, it was a a fresh, you know, a breath of fresh air, so to speak. One of my major difficulties was to just let go of that and embrace this new Tim's vision. So I, to call it the definitive, it's the only one that I've been a part of. I'd say that it's very special and I can see that the music now comes out with extra punch, you know, not just because I'm in it, but I feel a, there's more... Um, of a preciseness in the musical directing with Tom Deering. There is uh, accuracy in all the performances. So I I think Definitive suits it, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> we can see that you are giving yourself over to this vocally mm. a thousand percent. Mm. You're doing the songs in a different way to, like you say, you know, the, the complete opposite to how they've been done before. Yes. How did you map them out vocally? Because every run and every riff that you're doing up there is so intricate. Mm -hmm. You must have had to work out what you were going to do. Well, most of it comes from rehearsals. Repetition is key. You, you can obviously prepare stuff at home, and I do do that. But... Most of the things that you are hearing on stage, and Tom Deering is a witness of this, uh, will appear when the band came in. It was just ideas that I had, formulated, but not completely created. And once the band came in, in the rehearsal room, things just started flowing and coming out. So it was basically in the rehearsal room. You say you practice at home. Are you there in the shower, just like trying out <laughs> little new riffs to hone uh, on their minds? Well, and stuff? I, I had to test my stamina. So yes, at home, um, leading up to the auditions, I must have sang this song, uh, songs, I don't know, a hundred times each, really, just to, to check that it was always there. Until the very last audition, um, I had questions about if I could do it or not. You know, it was ever present. And to, um, to, to make sure they were there, that the voice was there, I, I just hammered it in. Lyrics, you know, I, I'm Portuguese, as you know, so I, just making sure the accent wasn't too present, that the, um, the lyrics were correct, the intonation was right, the notes were right. So yes, at home I've sung them to exhaustion. <laughs> 
You mentioned some of the other Judases before. Mm -hmm. I know you wanted to go away from them, but was there anything in particular that you loved so much that you were like, I am going to keep that from this one? Of course there is. With no disrespect to the other Judases, my my favourite one is Carl Anderson, the the American guy from the film. I I just love the the haunting ability that he has on every single song. First of all, I love the film. I think the film is utterly brilliant. Love that film. Um, the 73 um, film version. I love the context and I think he just slots in perfectly with this. It's a mixture of soul and funk and rock, uh, which is a style of um, music that I love very much. I don't know. Some of his choices are fantastic. I nicked a few. <laughs> which ones? Which ones? No, no, for the more clever listeners, they'll, 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 they'll know which ones I mean. Uh, <laughs> I did pick up I mean. on a few. Or, but or, maybe, or maybe not necessarily nicked. Maybe they were just engraved in my head for so long, for so many years that I couldn't get rid of them. They were respectful <laughs> nods. Thank you. Thank you. Help me out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Carl, I think, would be, for me, the reference. When did you first see the show? Was it the record that got you hooked? or The film. It was the film? The film. Had you seen it in the theatre before? Uh, the, the recordings of the um, arena tour. Yeah. Obviously, the other film done in 2000 um, in Never Live. And never had the pleasure to witness the open-air theatre of this version as well, which I was told was absolutely fantastic and magical. So I didn't have a chance to see that. It was, but do you know what? I felt like it works just mm-hmm. as well in this space, but for completely different reasons, because... The outdoor setting was beautiful, but here it feels, it's got that intimacy, yeah. but still the, feels huge. So it's, I believe intense, I mean, it is more intense, oh, isn't it, yeah. indoors, and maybe the um, the volume of the PA can help out a little bit. Just a bit. To, to that effect. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I would say that it is intimate. There are so many earworms in the show. Do any bits in particular get stuck in your head when you're just doing the washing up you at won't home? Believe every morning. I woke up either singing Simon Zealots or uh, the Herod song. Really? Those are the two songs. Honestly, <laughs> I have no idea why. They're just so catchy. Well, I do. I, I do. I do. I do. Because Tim Newman's performance and, uh, and um, Sam, uh, his performances are fantastic. So um, I wake up either singing one or singing the other. Those are the two songs every morning. And I go, there we go again. But grateful they're not your own, that it's not your own ones. <laughs> yes, so, bit yes, of variety. please. Yes, please. Yeah, very happy for that. You talked briefly about the auditions for this before. When mm. it came to auditioning this time around, how was it going in there and, and what was the process like? It was it's just scary. Very, very scary. I, as I told you, I wasn't completely sure my voice was fully recovered. I had endless questions about the stamina about the delivery and and the power that I could put through. But every step of the way, there was just friendship on the other side of the panel. You know, they they knew exactly what I went through the past three years, Tom and Tim and Drew and and David Grinrod and and everyone was so um, welcoming and so um, reassuring every single step. I believe they were giving me the best chance I could get to put the role through, you know. And when that is the case, then the actor has all the opportunities and possibilities ahead of him. So uh, I feel very lucky, again, to have been um, have been so supported all the way through the auditions. A brief scroll through Twitter this morning yeah. um, showed me that the response to you in this part has been incredible. A, getting the part again and having that response, that must have restored a lot of your confidence. Completely, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's bit by bit. Nothing is 
nothing in life is just one thing so I, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was but day by day um, singing with friends um, reading nice messages from people very kind messages some of them too much <laughs> uh, but yes that obviously all of that all that helps and uh, I am I feel like I'm now you know if if not fully recovered but at least um, I feel reassured of what I what I can do again do you think as a performer there's a lot of psychological things that you have to go through in terms of rejection anyway do you mm. think there comes a point where that almost becomes too much mm. I would say so yeah I agree and um outside stresses of your personal life as well they can have a huge impact on the way that you uh, you take your day and you take your job uh, at, at the theater you know if you have kids in my situation for example um all the stuff that comes with it and um, being a parent which you love all of that will will take its toll you know and um, will have a weight on your day-to-day -day stuff there's lots of emotional charge on the role you play and then you have to juggle your personal life as well so it can be it can be very hard but again with supporting family and friends around you and not not even you not taking the eye off the ball you know things will work out has becoming a parent changed you as an actor mm, completely how oh it's it's, it's the, the biggest challenge it's the best job i anyone can have you know i i love my family i love my kids they're number one now that's maybe why what happened in 2016 when it happened I had no problem just picking them up and just let's go this is where I'm going to to stay this is where I'm going to to heal and get better is amongst my friends and family back in Portugal I think family is family is everything my my boys are, are, are everything to me and I do everything all these sacrifices um, for them um, every day without battering an eyelid so you came to London in 2005, is that 2005, right? 2005, yeah, that's correct. What was your story before that? What was growing up like? Well, I, I, my dad has a very, very big family. Let's start there. Nine brothers and sisters. Oh, my, my God. My mum, five brothers and sisters. So lots of cousins. Yeah. The gatherings in the um, holidays. So the, I don't know, Christmas, for example. Yeah. Christmas night would be filled with um, um, food, lots of wine. <laughs> Uh, and lots of singing and lots of singing so I've I grew up in a family they all wanted to have a go at singing father Portuguese traditional song or or any whatever was on the charts at the time so I was surrounded by by music from a very very young age I suppose that was the key to it all it just laid a little little seed for me inside and my life carried on through school. I did apply for university. I, I thought I was going to go into marine biology and um, couldn't because my grades weren't good enough. So I veered off, did something else in university for a while until I had the nerve to tell my parents I'm going to audition for a TV series in Portugal in 96. And that was the beginning of it. I got the role, started playing in some bands, in music, and then that's it. That was the beginning of it, really, of my professional career in 1996. So what happened between 96 and 2005 that made you go, I want to give the West End a go? Well, I was very lucky to work with stage directors in Portugal. I fell into theatre as well because someone had seen me on a TV show, a great Portuguese director, João Lourenço, and he called me to be part of his new play, an award-winning play, and that was the, my love for the theatre started there. 
Afterwards, I carry on doing my bar gigs uh, all, all around Lisbon and Portugal. It was just a, a contact that I had with Belinda King through a girlfriend at the time um, that introduced me to casinos in the Algarve. So I did the run of the casinos of the Algarve with production shows by Belinda King. And then she invited me to be a part of the 2004 maiden voyage of the Queen Mary II. Oh, wow. I'm testing my memory here. I can pinpoint exactly what was the key moment of that you just spoke now. I was part of the production shows aboard the Prince and Dam, the Queen Elizabeth II as well. And um, seeing all the acts coming in. So we were part of the production shows. So we do shows every night. I don't know yeah. if you know how it works. And uh, there is obviously acts that are invited on the ship and they'll have their own show once a week and then they move on to another ship and so on. And I kept seeing these acts and I kept speaking to them and say so how is how is the west end and how 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 what's the life and uh, the conversations with them were you know incredibly fantastic as you can imagine and i had the, the time uh, at the end of my contract i went back to portugal and i said to myself well i'm 31 now if i don't give it a go now i'll always regret it i've got a bit of money saved up so I'll, I'll use that money. When that money runs out, if it doesn't work, I'll come back. And um, it turns out that I got an audition for We Were Rocky in 2006. And the rest is history. How quickly did that happen after you arrived? Oh, no, it was long. I was on fumes. My bank account was on fumes, literally. <laughs> well, the money was running out. I was, uh, this was so I arrived International Children's Day. I arrived on the 1st of June. Funnily enough, the same time I arrived in this country this time, the 1st of June 2019. But back in 2005, that's the day I arrived, the 1st of June 2005. And I only got my first set of auditions in December that year. So what did you do for that first five months? I sent DVDs, show reels, photos, CVs to every single casting director, the big names that I took out of a book that I found with agencies and stuff. So I sent them all this package. I think it was like 50 odds. I could remember wrapping them up individually to them. Not one reply. Not one reply. So you just have to keep going. I have to keep going. Eventually the same friend, Belinda King, introduced me to Debbie Rimmer, my agent, um, out of a favour. I want you to meet this fella. He's here. Just hear him out. We shook hands. No contract. We shook hands. And um, she said, okay, I'll put you up for auditions. And this was obviously, as I told you, December, November, December. I'll put you up for auditions. And then if you get some, then we'll chat. I said, brilliant. Works for me. Fantastic. We shook hands and that was that. I told her, I would love to audition for your Rocky. I went to see it. I really want to sing that. In January, she got me the audition. And then they offered me the first cover for Galileo back in 2006. And that's when my career in this country started. And then making your West End debut in, in that show. Oh, God. How do you look back on that? I mean, that, <laughs> that whole experience. I mean, not just the, the job, but like that whole period in your life. You must define that by that music, right? It was incredible. Auditioning for Brian May. Can you imagine a kid from Portugal? Well, kid, man, 31. <laughs> <laughs> but a feeling like a kid yeah. in front of him. Like completely. I know. And auditioning, all the stages through that audition. The last one, I believe I sang. I'm really testing my memory here. I believe I sang The Show Must Go On. And I remember Brian standing up. Brian standing up saying, that was fantastic, mate. Thank you so much. Um, and, um, and then I got the phone call. 
think it was Valentine. I got the phone call that I got the role on Valentine's Day, 14th Feb, 2006. And that was just, it was just incredible. Uh, the, the feeling, of, I, I couldn't believe it. Called my mum, called my dad, but I was still with us at the time. Um, it was incredible. Um, the feeling of being able to sing Queen songs that I've grew up listening on the radio, m- miming air, air guitar riffs. <laughs> with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the broom, with the, yeah. <laughs> a tennis racket. So it was, um, it, it was fantastic. And my opening night uh, was just joyful. Oh, what a night. I met my wife then that show, so that show is very special to me. That show has given me, it's given me the world, you know. Lots of people I speak to who've done that show say that the the whole vibe was it was like a village, and it, it was such a family feel. I'm so happy you said that, and I'm so happy that people say that. It is so true. There is not one person of all the cast that Real Rocky has had that won't say the same thing. Out of all the jobs they've had, out of all the jobs I've had, I can clearly say it, it's it, it's just special. I I can't. I really put my hand on it. it can't explain it to you exactly why that is but it just is there's a sense of family in, in the in the building it's called the, the Rock You Babies because everyone had babies in that show everyone so people met in the show had babies started families something special it's queen music I suppose I wonder how many are called Freddy <laughs> I don't think any I don't think any. I'm surprised that hasn't happened I, I don't think any but, but I'm pretty sure that every kid of the Rock You Babies all of them are queen fans because their parents are I mean they probably heard it when they were in the womb <laughs> they did mine did mine did well, they, uh, Alicia when she was heavily pregnant with Luca she um, she came in and I remember her telling me she was at the box he, he keeps bouncing up and down in champions when you're singing oh <laughs> But even I spoke to to Maz, and she said she was still going up and down the tube. She was, she was swag, I know. And, until she couldn't fit anymore. I know that's true. And that she couldn't fit in the little because it's tiny. Have, it, yeah. have you seen it? It's it's very small that lift. Literally, she did it till the very very last minute. There were so many incredible nights in that theatre. Anniversaries, cast changes. When I was lucky to see Brian come up through the trapdoor. Anniversary shows when you did the show must go on the special encore. I mean. Most people are lucky if they get to experience something like that once. once. I know. But to do all that and then perform at the Olympic ceremonies at Buckingham Palace and all of that, I mean, your memory just must get fogged because there are just so many, like it's one incredible week to another, right? You just live the moment as it appears in front of you and you, you just try and sponge everything as it's happening. You know, that's what I try to do and not to take any any day for granted and really live it really really live it you don't know if that's going to be the last time you sing beside Brian May you know so yeah very special nights even the Albert Hall one I did with him outside of Rocky that was a special night as well that was fantastic I did actually see you on the road in one of the uh, Queen Symphonic Spectaculars I do actually remember you went ladies and gentlemen Mr Brian May couldn't be here tonight (laughs) I know I know (laughs) me and dad jokes (laughs) No, it works though. <laughs> the whole arena laugh. was they like, laughed. "Oh, and he's not here." No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any particular memories from being in that show that you really, really treasure above mm. all the others? My last night, my very, very last night. It, it was a very special night. All my friends around. Um, I had decided at the time that uh, it was, it was time that Rocky had. And a new, a new Galileo. So I decided to, I decided to go um, my second time round, and um, so that was, uh, it was a decision on my part. So it was fully charged from that decision only. Um, and um, and I remember, it, like if yours today, I still remember everyone 
the gloominess afterwards. I've never seen anything like it. It's just like everything went silent. And the moment the curtain came down at the very last bow, the whole stage just went quiet. It was an eerie feeling. Everyone dispersed to their dressing rooms. I had people coming I mean, into my dressing room crying. I was so sad. I was unsure. Did I make the worst decision of my life? <laughs> Have I done the worst possible thing? But I think it was time. It was the feeling I was having at the time because it was a very special show for me. So that was how I was feeling moment and you know. So in the moment, it was definitely the best decision to leave when I left because the show needed uh, an input of something else, you know. And um, and it, obviously it worked because they carried on doing another three years. When you finish on the Saturday, and it, this has been, I guess, four or five years of your life, how do you pick yourself up? Like, what did you, in terms of self-care, what do you do to to not fall into, you know, just feeling sorry for yourself for another week? On that particular case, I was part of a project then, Top Hat. Oh, yeah. That's what followed. I was invited um, to be a part of the workshop. Um, I did both sets of workshops for that. So I knew that I was going in, into something completely different the role of Alberto Bedini it was completely different than Galileo you couldn't get any further from get, it no yeah you couldn't farcical I love farce I love comedy I love comedy uh, I love farcical tales uh, just the best um, so that's how I picked myself up I had that project to embrace so it was easier for me they needed a funny Latin fella to <laughs> prance around on stage like a lunatic. And I love doing that as well. So <laughs> It's a great job. It's a great job. Again, a great role. Amazing opportunity to play a comedy role like that. I was delighted to be given the opportunity. Now that you are back and the superstar is here until... Mm-hmm. 24th. 24th of August. Yeah. Have you started thinking? I mean, I know we're very early in the run here, so I don't want it to be over in your head before. But have you started thinking about, now that your confidence is back, Yes. is there something on your mind where you're like, hmm, maybe I, I could give this a go that I d- um, didn't think I could a year well, ago? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer you the same way I've answered before, which is I am putting my family in first place. As we stand, family will come first. I have thought of professionally what is next, but not in terms of show or another year contract, for example. I haven't thought about that at all. I want to embrace this project that I'm living at the moment and embrace Jesus Christ Superstar until the 24th of August and beyond, if possible. It is the role I've always wanted to do. So that's what I'm completely focused on. And what happens next? I don't know. I'll sit down with my agent. Actually, we have a meeting next week to possibly decide what I want to do. But there is nothing in the cards as we speak can i just put the request in for an album where you just sing every song from the show you know what I mean, you're already doing it at home anyway yes, you can and if you have anyone that can convince them to do a cast album please call them i, I just <laughs> i'm trying my best every time i meet anyone i'll just go cast cast album cast album cast album <laughs> yeah we should be lobbying for this i know 100%. honestly i would love to do oh can you imagine oh that will be just the icing i don't know when the last one was it was the... Um, was it the Broadway one from... Zubin Vala one. Uh, Zubin Vala I and uh, you know Steve, Steve Balsamo. That's the, the last, last one. What year would that have been? Is it 98? Okay, it's been 21 years. I think we're due another one. I think I think we are. I really think we are. If you have any connections... I, I don't. Probably, you probably know more people than I do. I keep saying to everyone I meet, cast album. That's how I'm repeating myself like a parrot. But uh, <laughs> I'll keep doing it until they say, oh, okay, go on then. Just shut, shut, 
shut him up. <laughs> has has, has uh, the Lord been around he at hasn't. all? No, oh, he hasn't. Tim Rice has. He was here on Tuesday. Um, so he's who very, we need to... Very, very brief conversation. But I do believe that possibly Andrew is the man that holds the key to this particular solution puzzle that okay. needs to be sorted. But yes, we haven't, we haven't met him yet, so... What did you chat to Tim Rice about? About the role. If he had a good time, I met his grandkids. We oh, mainly wow. talk about family, really. <laughs> I met his, his daughter as well. Uh, we had a nice chat about about our families, and, and that was that was pretty much it. And he said that he enjoyed the show, obviously. So it was brief. He was on his way out because he had to get up early. But so. he enjoyed it. That's what you he did. Hear. No, he did. He did. Thank you for using your voice so much to talk to me when you have two shows to go and do pleasure. that again. A pleasure. Because I really appreciate it, and it's been such a pleasure. Thanks very much, Mikey. Thank you very much. You can see Ricardo in Jesus Christ Superstar until it closes on the 24th of August. If you want to find out which stage door we're going through next time, just subscribe to Backstage With. And while you're there, please do leave a rating and a review on your usual podcast app. Thanks for listening. Listener.